Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. Tribe Signs was designed in 2010. We started operations as home and office solutions specialists and have since established ourselves as a trusted brand all over the world. We have worked with some of the world's best designers and manufacturers to bring a curated selection of beautiful furniture to thousands of happy customers across America. Visit us at tribesigns.com. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. The Stories We Tell, the name of the book, how TV and movies long for and echo the truth. Our special guest, Mike Cosper, joins us. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. So this is interesting. We watch, uh, first of all, you've watched enough uh, TV and movies, according to your book. You're, you're like a fanatic. You're, uh, you're, you're addicted, <laughs> like a lot of us are, you know, if we're really honest, with Netflix and movies and TV. Um, apparently, there are more uh, redemptive qualities and stories in creativity. You mentioned that kind of echoes God's creativity uh, mm -hmm. with media. So what are we going to get out of your book here? Stories we tell. Yeah, I think, you know, I think of stories oftentimes as just a window into humanity. Uh, we tell stories, you know, there's a there's a quote early in the book from a, a writer named Grant Morrison, where he says, we live in the stories we we tell ourselves. And it's, I, I think that sums it up beautifully because storytelling becomes this vehicle through which we're trying to make meaning of the world, even in fiction storytelling. And Morrison's just a wonderful 
illustration of this. His book is about comic books. And he talks, you know, one example that he talks about in the book is, you know, in the height of the Cold War, everybody's afraid of what's going to happen with nuclear war and, you know, all this sort of space age stuff. And that becomes kind of the golden age of, uh, of, of comic books. And so many of the heroes that emerge in the midst of this are these characters who are exposed to radiation and then become these superheroes who hmm. save the world. And so when you look at stories, what you find are the longings, they expose the longings of the human heart. We're looking for salvation from the things we fear most. We're looking for answers to the, the, the questions that plague us most. You know, in the in the in the light of the gospel, I think we can look at that and we can see the ways we uh, feel the brokenness of the world and long for a redeemer. Well, I agree, but I think you're going a little too far, Mike. Uh, I mean, the Kardashians. Uh, we, what we can learn from the Kardashians, and uh, apparently, you said that they bring on judgment, something inside of us that we like. You know, it's the I don't know the wealth or whatever it is over the top. Um, but apparently, <laughs> uh, tell us about that though. I mean, uh, do you watch that? Oh, I, I don't watch it. I'll confess that. I don't, <laughs> I, I observe it as a phenomenon from, from a bit of a distance, okay. but you know, I, I think there's, I think there's two elements and, and I think this is generally true of, uh, of reality TV and shows like, um, you know, the, what is it? The housewives series. There's like five different housewives series, um, real housewives stuff. We're simultaneously watching this because they embody something that we think we want. The, the wealth, the fame, the comfort, the pampering, all, mm. all the rest of it. But we also love to watch the sort of the, the suffering, the self-inflicted suffering and, and pain that these people experience because of their, their entitlement and their drama and all of that. Um, it makes us feel, you know, when we see reality TV, when we see horrible people on, on you know, uh, game shows and there's always, you know, when The Amazing Race was on TV, there was always a couple that just fought the whole time and uh, where the, the husband was just a jerk or the, the wife was com constantly, you know, complaining about her husband and that kind of thing. And, you know, casting directors know what they're doing when they put those teams on the show because they mm -hmm. know you want somebody to root against. You want somebody to judge and, and critique. And uh, again, I just think that says as much about our hearts as it does about anything else. So we want to segue. So, okay, we got this, you know, in the Kardashians, there must be like a, a Kardashian version uh, with the Bible. I mean, when you think about it, uh, there's some sort of, it could be Samson and Delilah. You know, if you ask me, they really should be more stories that uh, they incorporate from the Bible. I mean, there's some wonderful stories there, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. better than the Kardashians even. But how do we make how do we make the parallel between stories for uh, movies, television and how does the Bible play into this? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's no mistake, I think, um, that most of the scripture is narrative, right? God is speaking to us through narrative and he's revealing himself through narrative because that is the, I think that's the quickest inroad to the human heart. Cause when you hear stories, you can't help, but find yourself, you know, imagining yourself in the, in the situations, in the circumstances of the, of the characters in the stories. So again, it's God telling us something about ourselves and the fact that, that he's revealing himself through story and, and teaching us about, redemptive history and story and, and the dynamics of sin and, and salvation. So, I mean, is it possible that these shows, the even movies, they, they prepare the human heart for, for Jesus or even like the gospel? I think so. I mean, I think they can. Um, I mean, they can, they can also be a complete distraction and, uh, and numb ourselves. And, you know, it's one of the things I try to, I try to get across in the book is, 
I grew up in a time where I remember, I mean, my, my home growing up, we got to watch lots of TV and movies, and I probably saw lots of stuff earlier than I should have. I grew up in a time where in the church, there was a lot of conversation about what should we watch and what shouldn't we watch. And, and I tend to think, like, on the one hand, I do think there's a lot of liberty for Christians to consume media of all kinds. But at the same time, I think we don't have permission to watch anything mindlessly. We have to pay attention to what are the messages that are being communicated. Because if we allow ourselves to just be passive consumers, those kind of stories do have a way of sort of training and, and shaping our hearts and, and shaping our affections. Um, and unguarded, you know, they can make us look at the Kardashians and go, I want the fame. I want the wealth. I want the power. And um, uh, that's deeply corrupting. Yeah, you say that. You say the Kardashians, they make no apologies for their fame. And, yeah. uh, and it says here in The Guardian, Kim seems puzzled at the <laughs> criticism that she's received. She says, I, I can't imitate her voice, but she says, when I hear people say, what are you famous for? I want to say, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, the quote goes on, too. She says, you know, uh, uh, something to the effect of, um, you know, a bear can be trained to, you know, ride a unicycle and juggle. But and he's he's talented, but he's not famous. Right. <laughs> like. And she, for her, the fame is the thing. Um, the talent is is secondary. And I think, you know, what the evolution in the in the years since I've written the book, the evolution of sort of the social media phenomenon, the the phenomenon of Instagram influencers, and all of this, has just exaggerated that even more. Or maybe I should say it's it's just revealed it even more. We're not necessarily as interested in people for purely for their talent. Um, but somebody's ability to kind of present themselves and broadcast themselves as as symbols and as symbols of a way of life and then symbols of desirability uh, has a powerful effect on on the imagination. And it's why these people have millions of followers on Instagram and, mm. and people are willing to pay them a ton of money to fly around the world, stay really? at the resorts and take selfies of themselves. So, Mike, do you think this is like a sociological study? When it, it reveals, because I'm trying to make the tying, you know, the scriptures and the redemptiveness of some of the shows or the plot. But it, it, this may be more of a, a sociological critique, of, if you will, about people, just about human beings. And, and, and that and it reflects a lot about us, what we watch, maybe even the sinful side of humanity. How eventually does this, you know, tie into redemption? Uh, you know, I think for, for Christians, the thing to look for in any story they're consuming, you know, a book they're reading, a movie they're watching, whatever, is to start asking, what is this story longing for? What's the desire that it's exposing in the human heart? And the invitation, I think, for us, when we, uh, when we talk about these kinds of stories, whether we're talking amongst our friends or we're, you know, if you're a, a pastor or a leader um, talking about this kind of thing in the church, is, is to recognize that the desires that we're uh, the desires that are exposed in the stories we're telling are desires that can be fulfilled in the the person of Jesus and in the uh, the presence of God alive and at work in the world. Um, it's what we're hungry for, and it's what we're searching for. And I think so much of our entertainment is really about that search. Yeah, I like at the end, if you go all the way to the end of the, <laughs> the, end of the book, and it says, and a word to Christian filmmakers, which is, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so glad you wrote that because... Um, I mean, they kind of need a little help. Sometimes we turn to the secular for for really good stories and we could use some help. So mm -hmm. uh, what is your word to Christian filmmakers? The first and foremost thing for Christian filmmakers is tell good stories. 
I think the challenge for Christians in the arts in general, you know, visual art or or music or movies or books or whatever, is there's a temptation to kind of get drawn into the Christian subculture and immediately start feeling like you have to make everything didactic. Everything has to be a gospel presentation. Mm. Um, where I think if we, you know, in the best of of storytelling. If you look at someone like Flannery O'Connor, Christian themes of fallenness and redemption are just all through her work. Um, but they come in a sense as, as sort of the Trojan horse behind these compelling stories, or maybe not even behind, like they, they live underneath it. Um, and they emerge, but they emerge, they emerge with some subtlety. And if she didn't write great stories, nobody would be reading her today. I think we get that exactly backwards. I think we say, okay, Christian filmmakers in particular are saying, okay, I need to get a message across. What's a story I can tell that communicates the message? So that's that's one element. And then the other element of it too, and I, again, I think the Christian subculture creates some of the challenge for this is get really good at your craft. Mm -hmm. And the best way to get really good at your craft is, is probably going to be to immerse yourself outside of that, that Christian subculture and immerse yourself in the, the broader filmmaking wor world. Um, to figure out I got how to like chills when you said that, I, <laughs> because I, I say that because I mean, it's so true because it seems plastic sometimes, you know, uh, or anemic. Some of the I mean, I, you know, it, we want it to be G or family friendly, but mm -hmm. relatable. Yeah. Well, it can be a shortcut. You know, the Christian the Christian market can be a shortcut where there's there's money available and there's opportunity available if you're a Christian that wants to make films. There's sort of more money available earlier in your career and your expertise than there would be in the in the broader marketplace. And so it can be a way of sort of shortcutting the maturing process for a lot of filmmakers and artists and storytellers. Yeah, we're going to be right back. Mike Cusper is our special guest. The book is called The Stories We Tell, How TV and Movies Long For and Echo the Truth. We'll be back right after this. Ocaso builds high-quality, extremely affordable action cameras that enable our customers to capture dynamic moments in life and share their world of difference. In less than nine years, Ocaso has become one of the leading action camera brands worldwide with sales of over a half million units annually. There's a world out there to explore and enjoy while capturing every thrilling experience. Acaso's mission is to inspire and empower more people to join, enjoy, capture, and share the fun of exciting outdoor sports. Visit acasotech.com. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Okay, back with Mike Cosper. He's our special guest. And uh, let me tell you a little bit uh, about him. Mike is a writer and a podcaster. He's the director of podcasting for Christianity Today and the host of Cultivated. It's a podcast about faith and work. And so, uh, all right, so you're talking about not being in this Christian bubble. So let me mark off the list. I got to stop watching the Hallmark Channel, CBN, <laughs> TBN, the 700 Club. Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I think, uh, look for great stories, you know, follow your, follow your interests, follow what interests you. I mean, I, you know, I think the, the danger of some of this conversation is people very quickly kind of 
argue that we need to turn into film snobs and just watch the you know the the art house stuff that's that's deep and rich and i i that's that's not my preference i mean i i like some of that stuff but i think a lot of that stuff is sort of um it's just not my cup of tea i think love what you love love the stories that you love but be curious about why you love them and why you think they resonate for other people yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I had Netflix, okay? I watched it, and maybe I watched it too much, you know? Kind of like you're talking about here. We get addicted to, you know, television and movies, but we love good stories. I don't feel guilty about that. You know, I like that. I noticed that there, the programming started really getting dark, you know? Like every other one was about murder, and uh, and it got a little too far with uh, with all that. But, and if I wanted to watch something Christian, it had to be like a movie from 1962 about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, you know, we're, we're often insensitive about what's going on in our hearts. I mean, it's, there's no one prescription for every single person about what, what should we and shouldn't we be consuming. I mean, I was a pastor for many years and I remember kind of counseling and mentoring a, a younger guy. And, you know, he was struggling with a, he was struggling with an addiction to pornography and we would get together and we would have these conversations about how, how he was doing with his struggle and all of this. And I remember one day he was, you know, he was particularly struggling and we wrapped up the conversation and um, he's a big movies guy. And, and as we were getting ready to go, you know, we were talking about his boundaries in his life and all this. He says, hey, are you going to go see such and such movie this weekend? And I can't remember what the movie was, but it was definitely an edgy movie with some, you know, some some sexual content in it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to see it. Are you going to see it? And he was like, oh, yeah, man, I can't wait. And I was like, dude, <laughs> think oh about what's going on in your life right now. Like, think about the, what, how your heart is shaped towards these. Mm. Things. This is not a good idea. So there's not a one size fits all for people. We have to know what our what our sensitivities are and we have to be aware when our immersion in certain types of, you know, entertainment are shaping our affections in the wrong direction. You mentioned also in, in your book that uh, Joan Didion once said, we tell ourselves stories in order to live, a statement that carries an awful weight of skepticism uh, and despair as well. Uh, these love stories you say, or she says, she might say, are a grasping way that we cling to hope for love, even while the real love stories around us disappoint and crumble. We begin them uh, because we need a reason to hope, to believe, to get out of bed in the morning. What is your take on the scriptures? What is your inspiration biblically for writing this book? You know, I think much of this for me came from, I, I guess when it comes to the scriptures, like I do kind of come to this backwards. I, I came to this trying to understand why is why is story such a powerful presence in in our world and in our in our culture? What I found is as I as I began to examine it and as I came to the scriptures is number one, um, the centrality of of story inside of scripture and the the arc of scripture as one big story in which God is doing this tremendous redemptive work. The other thing I would I would say I, I see in the scriptures is just the way that you know in particular like when Paul is at at Mars Hill and he looks at the cultural artifacts he looks at the poems he listens to the philosophers he sees what's going on and he's able to in, in a sense embody their language embody their own poetry and show them the way what they're looking at and what they're desiring in their in their stories and art is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Paul's language in the epistles the way he's able to each particular audience talk about, you know, he's writing to Romans, he's talking about citizenship. It's a metaphor that they that they embody and that they understand. So I think that kind of attentiveness to culture is a really critical part of what it means to bear witness. Yeah, We're looking absolutely. at the world and going, 
here's what I hear from you. And here's how I see it pointing to this bigger story. So, Mike, you mentioned that the average American watches five hours of TV each day. Wow. You know, that's a lot. And collectively, you say we spend roughly 30 billion on movies each year. But you mentioned that, you know, we have an insatiable addiction to stories, but still we can learn and uh, understand that, uh, you know, there's a there's a real, I guess, audience waiting to receive Jesus. Uh, How do you feel? Do you think that they could do better telling stories? I do. I mean, I think a, a lot of conversations around uh, preaching and, and pastoral leadership and, and how do we inspire, how do we cast vision and all of this, um, we focus on kind of a didactic way of communicating. And I think paying attention to the power of stories is, uh, is really critical. I mean, you know, I, I, it's been quite a few years since I wrote the book, but one of the things that I, I think I would want to you know, amend the book or add to the book is the way that our own stories, our own bi- like the power of our own biographies, um, and the way we need to look at our own life stories and and examine them for these exact same themes, the themes of suffering, the themes of redemption, the themes of um, the sort of subtle presence of evil um, at work in the world. Um, and look at the ways we can do the same kind of interpretation that i'm I'm doing in the book with these other you know stories um, in our own lives. The book is called The Stories We Tell, How TV and Movies Long For and Echo the Truth. Our special guest, Mike Cosper, joins us. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, too, in putting the, the book together, you know, were there any special TV shows or movies that came up when you started thinking that you, you preferred over the other? Or are there any, uh, I don't know, stories in, in TV and movies that make you think about the Bible or... Could you see a spinoff of any one story in the Bible that reminds you of reality television? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, not to plug another book of mine, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a book about Esther, and it's, it's called Faith Among the Faithless. And I, uh, years ago, we were preaching through the Old Testament kind of in a quick series. We were trying to do like two to three sermons to, to get through each book in the series. And you know, none of our preaching team wanted to deal with the book of Esther. And so it fell to me. I was kind of the, the low man on the totem pole. And uh, when I dug into that story, I mean, it just absolutely captivated my imagination um, because it wasn't the story that I had, when I dug in, it wasn't the story that I had sort of been told about it um, the whole time. Because it's this incredible story of profoundly compromised people, you know, deep in exile, uh, deeply disconnected from the, their faith, uh, who have kind of a, a crisis and an awakening and who then God uses as a, as a redemptive vehicle for his people. That was the purpose of the book, but I, it's one that I think uh, if, if I was going to sort of nominate a, a, a movie to get a great director and a great writer and a, a great treatment, uh, I'd love to see that story told really well. And, and as far as characters, if you could take, like you mentioned about Seinfeld, so <laughs> would we include like Peter as Kramer? Or how would we, <laughs> what, what characters... <laughs> I'm just uh, having fun, but go ahead. All those, the 12 disciples. I, gosh, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that one, to tell you the truth. Uh, I Costello. need some time to think about that. <laughs> all right, you think about that. We'll be right back. Mike Cusper is our special guest, and uh, his book, The Stories We Tell, we'll be right back right after this. Start your fragrance line and make money with bostonperfumery.com. Design custom cologne or perfume using natural ingredients. Imagine 10% butterscotch, 20% sandalwood, and 70% vanilla dark. Choose any scents and any percentage from the Boston Perfumery Sun Chart, then name your custom fragrance. Visit bostonperfumery.com 
Again, bostonperfumery.com. Everyone deserves a signature scent. Okay, well, if you ever wonder how TV and movies change us, and there's a redemptive quality to them. You know, we watch tons of them, so we must be getting something from them. And does it prepare our hearts for even to receive the gospel message? Well, Mike Cusper is our special guest. His book, The Stories We Tell. What would you like uh, everyone to know about your book? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, ultimately it's a book for people who love movies and TV. I mean, that was, you know, I dedicated the book to my dad. Um, and anybody, you know, my dad just passed a few months ago and anybody that knew my dad, you know, if you ended up on a phone call with dad within a few minutes, he was going to tell you whatever he was excited about that was on TV that week or whatever movie he just watched. And so I think, you know, I, I wanted the book to be something for, for, for people like him and, and people like me who just love these kinds of stories, love to laugh, love to be entertained and leave it out there or send it out there as an invitation to examine a little more deeply uh, what the what the power what the what the magnetism of that those stories are yeah and i like how you say not to shun even though you know we have to have discernment about what we watch that's for sure but to understand that we need to reach out to that world that broken world or that sinful world that affects us too you know christians can be uh, you know we're sinners saved by grace uh, also to understand the Kardashians, you know, how am I going to be, <laughs> how am I going to be able to uh, witness to, to Kim or someone else? You know, I don't know if she's a believer, but unless I know a little bit about her, a little bit about uh, the, the kind of, of people, you know, it's, we have to understand that. So that's very interesting. Now you have said, first of all, I want to mention again, Mike uh, Cosper is a writer and podcaster. He's the director of podcasting for Christianity today. People are familiar with that and the host of Cultivated it's a podcast about faith and work. And there's something you mentioned that you're working on. It's about uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I was, like I said, I was a pastor for 15 years and our church was part of Acts 29 from about, uh, we planted in 2000. We were part of Acts 29 from 2003 to about 2010. And so I had a lot of friends at Mars Hill and a lot of connections there over the years. And you know, we witnessed a lot of the conflict as it as it emerged, kind of in real time, and and had a lot of conversations with those folks at the time. And then, um, shortly after their uh, collapse in 2014 and and 15, um, my own church went through something similar with its own leadership collapse. And then in the years that followed, a number of others, a number of other friends of mine, um, either they were on the staff when it happened, or they were the pastor that fell. And so there's been this sort of haunting question in my mind, like why. Why does this happen? How do leaders like this get empowered? Um, how does a culture become toxic? And what can we learn from these things? And what can the church tell tif- differently? With Mars Hill in particular, I really felt like uh, the story hadn't been told in a in a clear way, meaning that oftentimes the story gets told purely as the tragedy. What's missing in in some of the storytelling is the human element where you really see how powerful and transformative an experience most people had at Mars Hill. And that's what makes the tragedy even more painful. So it's an in-depth, uh, you know, documentary. Uh, it'll be 12 parts. Uh, it'll be narrative. There's, we've done, we've interviewed more than 40 people. We have more than 60 hours of tape and we're just walking through the, the history of it. And we're trying to make the connections, the broader connections mm. to evangelicalism and understand how these things happen and why. I would like to see that, you know, I would like to see that, uh, that documentary because of what's happening now with Hillsong and that remains in the news. So yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, too often they're, they're the rise and fall of pastors who 
they, as they say, you know, the quote, fall from grace. And, uh, you know, the world takes notice of this. And uh, we have to protect ourselves also, uh, the church, because it can be a little too top heavy in some of these churches and uh, not as much accountability, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's an accountability factor. I think there's, I think there's a magnetism around a certain kind of leader that, that we love. We love to empower certain kinds of leaders that become sort of a, a, a vicious cycle that, that sort of indulges people's worst instincts. And uh, it, it creates a critical mass that can bring down an entire church. I mean, 15,000 people, 15 locations across the globe. Uh, and it was gone in a you know, matter of about eight weeks. Mike Cusper, would you do us a favor? Would you pray and uh, and also just speak to Christians about, you know, watching television, watching movies, uh, not the do's and the don'ts, but uh, any kind of uh, awareness of discernment? Uh, again, your book, The Stories We Tell, How TV and Movies Long For and Echo the Truth. Yeah, I'll just repeat what I said a moment ago, which is I think we have a lot of freedom to watch what we love, but we don't have the freedom to do it without uh, attending to the way that it's affecting our hearts and shaping shaping what we love. So yeah, let me pray for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We um, we are, are tender-hearted creatures, and we are shaped by the things we immerse ourselves in. Um, we ask that you'd make us attentive to that, and that you would help us to guard our hearts with wisdom. Um, we also ask that you'd open our eyes, and that as we allow ourselves to be entertained and allow ourselves to be caught up in stories, um, we would also notice the ways that they reveal how you're at work in the human heart, how you've been at work in the world, uh, bringing about the, the, re the redemption and restoration of all things, and that it would awaken in us a longing for your return and for the ultimate restoration of your creation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike Cosper, our special guest. Again, his uh, book, The Stories We Tell, How TV and Movies Long For and Echo uh, the Truth. And uh, truly, are you an entertainment junkie, would you say? Yeah, I'm, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and what about when the movies come back? Are you going to be there? Are you going to go to the movies uh, after all this COVID? Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to uh, the, the summer blockbusters. I, I don't even know what's coming. I've probably paid attention to it this, this spring, but I'll be there for sure. Yeah, we appreciate your work and, uh, and getting us to just think outside the box. I mean, that's what this does uh, with your book stories we tell. Thanks so much again for being on the program and may God bless you. Uh, it's an honor to be asked. Thank you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information.
And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.